Hi, and welcome back to Dating Funnies. Or not. All depends on how you look at it. I hope everyone's having a great week this week. I haven't been on too many uh, dates. I haven't been communicating with too many people on some of the dating apps I've been on. I've been busy with home projects. It seems like every one of my home projects turned into a three-hour cruise. It's supposed to be an easy fix, and three weeks later, I'm still fixing it. Driving me nuts. I didn't have much time to really put put my feelers out and see how much more I can get kicked around in this crazy thing we call dating. But during that time frame, I got uh, an email uh, from uh, a marketing person, I'd so, to, so to speak, an agent, that had someone that thought might be a good candidate to be a guest on our podcast. So I invited her here today, and she's going to share this, a book that she wrote called Please Make Me Love Me. And I have to be honest with her and with myself. I took this book meaning it's a way for me to quit talking negative to myself, kind of like the law of attraction or the secret. And yet I could see just reading some of the excerpts of the book and some of the comments readers have made that, yes, it's true, but it's it's taken on a, a totally different meaning for me because of the things I've run into along the way. So I'm hoping that with our guest today that she'll share some interesting thoughts about her journey and how her journey might help you in your journey, whatever bridges you're trying to cross or not cross, and how important maybe communication is. My guest today is Emily Gindelsparger. Did I say Good that job. correctly? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Five stars. And win for the team. <laughs> Anyway, she, she's uh, written this book, and you can find it on Amazon. It's on Kindle and on paperback. And the idea of her book, just to kind of be a prelude into it a little bit, then I'll, then I'll let her talk about the book and her journey, and I'll ask questions along the way like I always do. But the concept of the book, if I'm not mistaken, was that the idea of opening up her eight-year relationship was terrifying meaning taking it from an exclusive relationship to an open relationship, or what we might call ethically monogamous or ethically non-monogamous, terms I've learned along the way. So why don't you share us more about this book, why you wrote it, what it, and, you know, and, and some of your journey in the process of this book. Yeah, absolutely. It is it is a book about opening up uh, a relationship that I am still in and had at that point for eight years before we opened our relationship. And then we dated other people uh, as well as each other for about five years or so. And that turned from casual dating to then developing some longer term ongoing deep romantic relationships with other people. So would that and, be, so was it a poly type of dynamic? Or was yeah, you had a nested basically. partner and, a, and other, other additional partners? Yeah, good, good terminology there. Yeah, people kind of, they develop, a lot of people define polyamory many different ways. I think it looks different for all sorts of people who practice it. And I would characterize, you know, the beginning really was more like an open relationship. The whole thing was a little bit more casual. But over time, it did totally turn into more of a polyamorous style cool. of of having multiple partners that we were deeply involved in each other's lives and really invested in each other's future. What was your biggest fear? Who introduced the idea of opening up the relationship, you or your partner? He did initially, but it 
it was after many years of us talking casually about it. Um, we had listened to other podcasts on polyamory and savage love and other dating kinds of podcasts and had just seen so many other couples really figure out how to explore romance and sex and and connection uh, through polyamory. And I think it was something that interested both of us. And so then, you know, eventually one day came when uh, the rubber hit the road and he found somebody that he was interested in and we decided to try it out, which as you read from the back cover was terrifying at first, <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, you're but ultimately you're, turned out well. You're yeah. meeting somebody new with your partner's permission and you gave it, because you know, in a monogamous relationship, we're, we're clinging on or holding on mm-hmm. with fear of loss if we mm-hmm. go out and explore. And I remember dating a lady many years ago and we'd go out to comedy shows and stuff like that and she'd nudge me and say, so what do you what do you what do you think of that lady over there? Or, or then I'd say, what do you think of that guy over there? We'd always talk about it, never really mm-hmm. sit down and had the talk. But yet then I've had other partners where they even looked at another woman, it was a problem. So yeah. so, so where you know you were in a relationship and had this conversation, and. Uh, so to me, it's problematic when you're dating, and how do you bring that up? When you're yeah, it's, somebody, it right? evolves over time, you know? Uh, like, that's why I chose the title, Please Make Me Love Me, because opening our relationship ultimately, like, it invited or, or at least turned up the volume on this flood of negative self-talk and messages that were boiling in my head. You know, even from the opening scene, which begins with my partner telling me he's interested in another woman and wants to try dating her and we're going to potentially open our relationship. Like, as soon as that hits, so does just this avalanche of thoughts about like, oh, well, she's clearly better than me. Uh, you know, like, my partner could only be with me if I was, like, the most amazing person. And I'm just sort of, like, waiting for him to find somebody more amazing and then he'll dump me, right? And it took me quite a while to one realized that that wasn't that wasn't an artifact of how he was coming to me right like that wasn't actually part of our relationship that was all just inside my head uh those worries and that kind of insecurity and there was something about the uh, the kind of the pressure of opening up our relationship that actually caused me to see that for the first time and really seriously deal with it in a way that i'm now really grateful for i mean it was not comfortable to uh see how much i beat myself up <laughs> but once i saw it then i could start to start to heal it and start to right because if it. we love you know if you, if you love yourself first then you're not nothing else is really your take that away from you but if you're of all your happiness is placed in one person and now that one person wants yeah. to invite somebody else in then you're taking on the role that you're not good enough and i just wish more people would be open about it. it's like this latest lady i tried to date she was doing things behind the scene uh, yet we when we first started a relationship we talked about look open line of communication I want a safe place to land meaning I get to talk to you about anything anything without the fear of repercussion and she got the same opportunity so if she wanted to have multiple dating partners she had a form of which to use it because I laid it out at the beginning and gave her permission to come talk to me and say, this is what I'd like to do. Instead, she fell into what we typically do. We fall into these other patterns where we start going around and doing stuff that, 
that is exciting, but it doesn't feel good at the end of the day because we're doing something that our primary partner, if they were to know about it, would feel like uh, you're, you're not trustworthy, like you're not yeah. honest, you don't have integrity, mm-hmm. and those those are crushing things when you find out. The it was interesting here, and this is what I'm reading here. Is you discovered an assertive, impulsive side that you that you really were a risk taker, whereas before. What that's telling me is that before you never considered yourself a risk taker. Is that true? Hmm. Well, yes and no, right? It's kind of like there's always different parts, different drivers inside of us, and it's just a matter of like whether we're giving them the wheel at different parts in our lives. And I had always, uh, I'd always been into like high adventure sports, for example. I was a rock climber, I was a whitewater kayaker for a while. You know, and so I, it doesn't seem accurate to say that I wasn't a risk taker, but I was much less of a risk taker when it came to my relationships. I was much more afraid of um, of doing anything to to upset other people, to you know break break a relationship, break a dynamic. So much so that sometimes I used to stay in relationships longer than I really should have because. <sighs> I, I was, like, nervous of hurting them, right? When, of course, like, eventually they're going to have to get hurt, right? At some um, point, or is this yeah. like, what I've learned along the way is people say, why do you see these relationships? And it really came down to how I was raised with my mom. And I just kept, if I would just love her a little bit more, she'll love me back. Mm-hmm. So we get trapped into that. Might say, well, I'll just love this person a little bit more. They'll eventually love me back. So we get stuck in these cycles. Not to, and, and, you know, this dynamic that you've discovered uh, through yourself, it still gets down to uh, uh, how you relate to other people. Uh, so, yeah, it's still a relationship in a way. Tell me a little bit more about your first time. I mean, dating's hard enough as it is. So how do you, and I know there's niches of dating areas that one can go to for whatever lifestyle they choose to have, right? So how, how now have you always, I think I read somewhere you're originally from Texas or you're originally from Arizona? I'm originally from Illinois, actually. Oh, Illinois. Midwest, born and bred, yeah. 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 So conservative area to conservative area. Yeah. So how did you guys, did, was it easier for him to find someone? Was it easier for you to find somebody it was actually easier for me, which surprised us both. And by the way, dating as a like dating in an open relationship or dating in a polyamorous polyamorous relationship, I found it to be really fun because it's much lower stakes than than dating when you're not partnered, right? Like I could have a flirtatious text with someone and then still, you know, be next to my partner watching a movie. And so there was a lot of of comfort and security and play and playfulness in the way that we were both dating and that was really fun. I think too even though Arizona is a pretty conservative state, Tucson is a pretty liberal city and we were really lucky to be in a group of friends who were open and polyamorous many of them before we even were and so we had sort of these these role models or these people that we could see making their way in the world in ways that were healthy and loving and we had that as uh, something to look at and really explore with friends. And so 
dating and being out about that, at least among friends, actually wasn't scary at all. But telling other people, family members, uh, you know, like other people that were outside of that tight-knit friend circle, that was much harder for me. Yeah, I think, well, it's harder for, for anyone, really, because it goes against the norm of what would be considered a normal relationship. Uh, the uh, the traditional relationship is you're partnered, and then not everybody, but a fair percentage of people, well, at least 50% of the people, because divorce rate, first marriage is 50%, second marriage is 70% failure, third marriage is 80% failure, and, and in all that, my assumption is pretty clear that, you know, if you're working for somebody and you want a new job, you'll go find a new job first, and then you'll quit your old job. Well, that's what people do in relationships. They go find another mm-hmm. relationship, so they got a safe place to land, and they, then they ditch the other one. So they're all running around claiming they're in a traditional relationship and the traditional way of handling it with the traditional fallout. Whereas I have found in, uh, in the non-vanilla world, when I talk to people, they're a lot more, it's a lot easier to talk to them. There's no bad conversation. It's all about learning about people and their respective boundaries. So in that, now you mentioned that you've had, in the book you talk about uh, having a couple woman partners. So how many partners does your your nesting partner, how many partners does he have now? Uh, well, we actually, since, since this book, since before this book came out, basically the book ends with the dissolution of the relationships that I was in, and he dissolved his relationships before that point. So we've had a closed relationship since then, which has been several years now. Oh, so you guys are closed yeah. now. But mm-hmm. at that time, so what did you learn most about venturing out? And what did you learn? Well, not only that, what, after writing your book, which again, I encourage everyone to, to, to buy it, read it, get it on Kindle, paperback. I'm going to get my hands on it, read it. I'm, I'm an inquisitive person. What did you learn about yourself after writing the book and publishing it? What, what did, re, revisiting all that and putting it in print, what did, what did that teach you in this, in this whole thing? Yeah, it taught me so much. I feel like the biggest the biggest learning arc that I've been on and by the way this learning arc embarrasses me a little bit because it has to do with you know integrity and sort of basic human decency but I have even before opening our a relationship and then opening it and adding multiple dynamics to my life I've always struggled with being fully upfront and honest about what's going on inside of me what I want what my vision is for the future I'm unfortunately kind of a people pleaser and so when I was then with multiple partners there were too many people to please and that broke one of the main kind of centerpieces of this story of the book is that I started dating one woman had a long-term relationship with her and then started dating another woman and didn't tell her uh, the, the first woman and that really was like uh, I'm still I'm to this day ashamed of that mistake uh, because it doesn't feel good to not be clear and upfront and and really like lovingly honest with your partners and I I just really struggled with the terror of what changes when I tell the people that I love how I really am on the inside right like it sure. was too much fear and going through these experiences having those uh having that hiding eventually come 
forth and then kind of lead to crisis helped me come to grips with where did that begin with me? Why did I start doing that? How, you know, what are ways that I could stop doing that in the future and be more open? And I think that that was really a big driver that led me to write this was that I was trying to explore, like, why was it that I so struggled to tell the truth? And the book took me several years to write and edit. And so I was going over these stories again and again, and I really had to face that truth and be really clear about it and be as honest as I could. Um, And so learning how to do that has really required me to learn how to love myself enough that I'm willing to tell the truth, even when I fear that it might feel harmful to another person. Well, well, that's a good lesson to learn for sure. Mm -hmm. And of course today, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, seems like everything's on the table these days and even though friends and family may not completely understand where someone's at uh, there's so many different things going on and everyone wants to support everyone so yeah your 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 close friends and family might wince a bit maybe they distance themselves initially but eventually you know they're going to come back around they're going to be somewhat supportive but we are all fearful of being judged because we're judged all the time how we look how we dress and so uh, yeah it's pretty powerful that you go through that process and understand at least own own. the the problem is like uh, I keep seeing this thing pop up all the time it says when your words don't match your actions it's called manipulation and it really Mm -hmm. is when you think about it because you're telling somebody one thing and doing something different but until we go through these, these processes, we don't really recognize that in ourselves as we do it in somebody else. Tell me a little bit more about, how, well, how did it, why did you guys decide to eventually close the relationship again? And how difficult was that process once you've already been open? Because in that open relationship, you know, you guys got to experience different things that you probably wouldn't have experienced together in a closed relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, you, and of course, you're bringing those pieces back into the relationship, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Because you're going to learn something from each person you interact with. How difficult was it to bring the relationship back to being closed with the partners floating around out there and with the primary? Yeah. Strangely, it it felt pretty natural to close it again. It felt like we made that decision at the right time for each of us. And we each decided independently to, to end the relationships that we were in. I know I can't speak to my partner's motivations, but for me, it really was that I was starting to understand how very stretched out I had made my life you know when you have two partners or three there's so much time and energy put into maintaining those relationships and and also just spending the quality time that you want to live a life with someone right and I ended up feeling unfortunately like I was kind of living a dual life it didn't feel integrated it didn't feel like one whole piece it felt like I was going to these different parts of my life going to these different people and like living parts of my life with them and it just ultimately wasn't it just ultimately wasn't what I wanted and uh, really burned me out in terms of feeling like I didn't have time to to really rest and time to be with myself 
Well, and my apologies, I keep referring to your other partner as a he. It could be a he, a it's she. A he. Yeah. yeah it's a, so my apologies. Are, well, I get it because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, the, the intimacy is great. And it's going to be different with your primary partner versus with some other people. But in the end, it's all kind of the same. It's just twisted a little bit here or there. But it sounds to me like it still gets down to we all want to be connected. We want to be included. And, and it takes time and energy to, to do that, to show someone whatever their love language is, how, how important they are. And if you're trying to nurture two, three, four relationships at one time, that's that's got to be tough. I mean, I'm in sales and trying to nurture four or five customers all at the same time. It it's it's a lot of work, and they all have different needs, different wants. And in, a, in an intimate relationship, I I think you get you stretched even further because they want to see you, they want to be with you, right? So I would you know. It's it's my hats off to you guys for exploring. What was the biggest takeaway that both both of you had, or what was the biggest takeaway you got from it in terms of uh, what uh, the big takeaway that you felt was an added benefit that you're bringing back to the closed relationship? Mm -hmm. A different you, because you're a different person now than you were before. Very much so. Yeah, the biggest one kind of comes back to the honesty thing. Like I am so much more comfortable talking about my emotions, talking about my desires, it's, it doesn't feel like such a monumental thing to describe to my partner something new that I want. And that used to feel monumental and like too much before. So just being more in touch with myself and knowing that like he and I made it through some challenges in those, those years, right? Like we, we really made it possible to talk about everything that's hard to talk about and so uh so now it just feels like nothing's off limits which is really a beautiful beautiful place to be yeah well that's a good does he uh he approve of the book i don't know that i can speak to that he supports me for sure oh, he good. supports me for sure i also know that you know he like anyone he had a very different experience of this story than i did so it's very much my book and not his oh, okay uh, yeah what 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 else could you share with our listeners about the book that we haven't touched upon. I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here. I'm intrigued by your journey. I, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I could go in a lot of different ways on that. I just, uh, I've learned, even myself, I've been single for so long and of different people I've met along the way, they've shaped me in one form or another. And, but yet where I'm at today, growing up much older than most people, the, uh, it, uh, it gets down to this communication piece and getting your point across and listening to somebody else, respecting individuals' boundaries, how do you make this work, how do you make that work. It's still, at the end of the day, it's about people interacting, trying to figure out what, what feels good for everyone involved. So mm -hmm. the, is there, is this a, what would be the one bullet point that you would make about your book the reason why someone might want to read it well, outside I really of the admired, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really admired uh, what you said that you had at the top of this this podcast that you had misinterpreted my title and assumed that it was sort of like more of a self development, like how to how to deal with self talk thing. That is not exactly by design. In that, I didn't mean for this to come off like a self help book. It's very much a memoir and very much my story. But what I'm really exploring in this story is how my internal landscape changed 
there's a, a, a particular voice that had a lot of dominance in my head that I nicknamed Radio K, which is a nickname I stole from Ann Patchett. She calls the the ter- the endless stream of terrible thoughts that tell you how awful you are. She calls it Radio K fuck. And so, uh, so I co-opted that for the voice in my own head in, in this book. And one of the things that as I was writing and editing and sitting with all of these stories was exploring like what is that voice telling me moment by moment as I'm making my way through these different experiences and figuring out how I was shifting that voice over time and how I was learning how to respect myself over time and pay less attention to that voice over time is uh, like it feels weird to say that I'm proud of (laughs) Of, of like a particular internal journey, but but that's what I'm proud of in this book, so, is being able to work with that in a more artful way. Well, good for you. And it and like I guess I set it up front. It is a book about uh, self help book because through your journey, what you went through and how you discovered yourself, I'm almost certain there's many people out there, maybe not an exact same footprint. But in some challenge, some way, they don't love themselves enough or they're fearful to say this to a partner or to a family member, whether it's a, this type of relationship or in just a regular closed relationship. We all go through this self-talk thing, and it's a challenge, whatever, whatever that relationship is. Well, once again, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, the name of the book is Please Make Me Love Me. I think there's a lot of underlying messages in this book. Yes, it has to do with uh, opening up a relationship, whether it's uh, polymorphs or ethically non-monogamous, whatever uh, people choose. But whatever the relationship dynamic is, in my opinion, you're going to learn something new about yourself. You're going to learn something about other people. And you should grow from your experiences. It sounds like you certainly have, Emily. And uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate you sharing some of your story. And if you want to chat on another podcast give us more in-depth information about you and your book you're certainly welcome to come back great thank you dale you You guys have a great uh, have a great day and for you listeners out there it's dating funnies at d-a-t-i-n-g-f-u-n-n-i-e-s at gmail.com if you've got a story you'd like to be a guest on the podcast feel free to email me email me your story Email me a day and time you'd like to be a guest in our podcast. Like I shared with you before, yes, it's about my journey, and I'm learning a lot just talking to Emily again today. And sometimes I have funny dating stories. Sometimes I get sad ones. But they're all stories that I'm sure relate to each and every one of us because I've said it before, wherever you're at in this crazy world, we all are trying to find the same thing, and we're all stumbling along the way it sure would be nice to have a clear path to success maybe one day we'll get there some of us sooner than later so thanks again for listening and this is dating funnies